Volia, Kyle. It's like Cirque du Soleil with horses. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Darbycast, Economics Wednesday. We haven't done one of these in a little bit. We've been doing a couple wild card Fridays sporadically. I get it. It's uh, kind of been all over the place. And by all over the place, I mean non-existent, nowhere to be found. That's where the Darbycast has been. But then, boom, all of a sudden, episode 100 hits you. Not like a sucker punch, but like coming up for air after being in the depths of Davy Jones' locker, battling a kraken with a pocket knife. You need to get a little air and a bazooka. And then you go back down and you say, hey, kraken, you son of a bitch, it's time to dance. And you're about to dance with not as many tentacles as you thought. Because, boom, there goes the rocket launcher. You creature sent from hell. What's the big takeaway from all that I just said? Oppose the devil's minions, obviously. But it's Nice Little Economics Wednesday. I think some of you have, you know, if you've got the entrepreneurial bug, you've been scrounging around and saying, ah, I need a little bit of inspiration, need an idea here or there. Would you just throw me a bone? No, you're like a leprechaun's bag of gold, and it seems like it never runs out if the gold were little hints at great business ideas. You seem to never run out of those. You can't, I'm narrating your thoughts. You're like, ah, you never really fully flesh out the ideas. It's kind of a big tease, but it's also kind of the best thing that's ever happened to me, at least in the past year and a half. I know all of you, Darbycast doctors, that entire thought has crossed your mind one time or another. Be like, man, this guy's mind is working just like a leprechaun's pot of gold. What's that about? But that's neither here nor is it there. Because Kyle, my associate and friend, Kyle, we've developed, we have friendship. You know, we work together, but I don't bust your chops too hard. You don't bust my chops at all because otherwise you'd be fired. And that's the strong relationship if I've ever seen one. But Kyle brought this to my attention the other day. He said, when was the last time we did a folklore episode? German folklore. In fact, Grimm's fairy tales, the brothers Grimm. And I love that. Two brothers starting a business and being like, do you want to get into the stories market? I feel like it's ripe for the picking. That's a big business call out right there is find the niche and exploit it. You know, these days, everybody's making apps and other stuff. It's like, who cares? But who's going hard on good stories like the Brothers Grimm? Arguably, there's a lot of books and other stuff out there. But the Brothers Grimm weren't necessarily the authors of all these things. And I don't want you to try to replicate the Brothers Grimm as a Darby Cast doctor, as an idea, okay? What I'm merely saying is, what's that equivalent in the modern day? If everybody's doing X, what's A? And I think a lot of you probably went, why'd you go X to A? Because everybody would expect Y and Z, right? That's the levels of complexity 
that comes into Economics Wednesdays on a fairly regular basis. Okay, it comes across every time. But German folklore, riddled, absolutely brimming with economic messages. Everybody who's read these stories to maybe their kids or they read them as children or had these read to them as children, maybe they missed the breadcrumbs. That's a reference to Hansel and Gretel, by the way. This is so scholarly. This is nuts. That's kind of what you're thinking right now, I know. But Rapunzel, we haven't done it yet. We talked about Rumpelstiltskin. We talked about the mouse, the bird, and the sausage. Lesser known, still high impact. Talked about King Thrushbeard. Talked about Hansel and Gretel. Talked about Little Red Riding Hood. If you go back in the catalog, maybe you've already listened to those episodes, but you were going through a lot this past year, and maybe you were listening to the episode a little bit too idly, kind of in one ear and out the other, and you missed some of the economic lessons. That's a tragedy, but nothing is better than a comeback story. So go back in the catalog, you listen to those things, and all of a sudden you become a master of industry, a titan of industry. But Rapunzel, that's what we haven't done, and so that's where we're going. This one is, it's deep. It's not like how deep you've been, though. Pocket knife cracking battle royale, it's not like that. But it is deep. It's kind of like halfway down there. But let's also draw another distinction. Pocket knife cracking battle is a little bit more spiritual. This is a little bit more economic. So you're kind of comparing apples and oranges if you think about it for more than three seconds and you're like, oh, okay, all right, that makes sense. So let's get into it. Rapunzel is a German fairy tale recorded by the Brothers Grimm, right? They didn't author it. So forward-looking. You're like, should we just put these great stories told by widows and drunks and taverns? Should we just like put those together? See what happens? Great call. Great business idea. You never know when lightning's going to strike and when it does. Harness it. Harness it. Okay. They very well could have fallen into the trap that is making cheese. That had to have been fashionable back then. Everybody was doing it. Yeah, you want to make a wheel of cheese? And then all of a sudden you're trapped. You're trapped forever in a cage made of cheese. And probably dead. It's like, how do you export back then? Fair question. Draw the parallels to modern day as I'm speaking. Or maybe you just pause the podcast and say, whoa, time out. That cheese thing was high level. Okay. First published in 1812 was the story Rapunzel. It was a part of the children's and household tales edition. And here's a little nugget that not a lot of people know is it's actually an adaptation. This story existed a little bit earlier as told by Friedrich Schultz in 1790. So when I was talking about those local tavern hammered guys who were just like, let me tell you unch story, Fraulein or Herr Krauthammer. That's Mr. Krauthammer. And here's another cut deeper. The 1790 Friedrich Schultz version was actually a translation of the 1698 version 
by Charlotte Rose de Camon de la Force. Obviously, super hot and French, which was, this is what you get on the Darby cast, is levels of meaning. And here's another cut deeper. That story by, that name again, Charlotte Rose de Camon de la Force. That was influenced by the Italian tale, Petrocinella, in 1634. Who was that by? Giambattista Basile. And if you try to relay this information to other people today, as most people do with the Darby cast, what do you do? You listen to the Darby cast, and then you immediately go tell people about it. Say, this is what I learned in a huge way. But if you try to take a shortcut and not go over the top with your enthusiasm out of respect and say, can I tell you a little bit about 1634 Petrocinella by Giambattista Basile? You're hurting everyone. You're hurting yourself by being low integrity and you're hurting everybody else by robbing them of the experience of a high impact Italian name. But Rapunzel, Arn Thompson type 310. This is an archetype that those who study folklore have hammered down as the maiden in the tower. Commonplace. You see this plot everywhere. And this one is so famous. The idiomatic phrase, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair. That shows up a lot. Not just in media, but like in everybody's life. Metaphorically. In business. After all, Economics Wednesday. Think about the last time that you wanted to just business hard, as one does. Gradations of business, you can either business soft, business medium, or you business hard. And you just found yourself saying like, can you just let your hair down for a second, babe? And whether you're telling that to a company or a colleague, good job. That's what I got to say. So here's how folklore goes on the Darby cast. If you're unfamiliar with the flow, I will tell the story and hit you with economic messages as they arise, but I don't always spell it all the way out. And that's where the replay value of any given episode really comes into play is when you re-listen to it and you say, wow, how did I miss that? And that's where the business ideas come in. And all of a sudden you're on LegalZoom.com, forming an LLC. But let's get started. A lonely couple who long for a child. They're just, oh, they're struggling. The guy is a leave it in guy. He's been pumping away for years and nothing's sticking. And they can't tell. The guy's like, is my batter expired or are your eggs um, withered, shriveled, and disgusting? That's a conversation that they have with one another a little too frequently. It's putting a lot of strain on the relationship as troubles getting pregnant can often, you know, bestow upon a relationship. Bestow doesn't feel like the right word. Kyle, stay on your toes. I don't have any specific feedback for you, but just like stay engaged, okay? This couple, they live next to a beautiful garden and it's no ordinary garden. It's not all flowers and a lawn growing real stuff in it. Think tomatoes, 
You ever heard of those? Cucumbers, bell peppers, squash, eggplant, potatoes. These exist in the garden. Romaine lettuce, no iceberg. Not enough nutritional value in iceberg lettuce. There's a lesson. Boy, I'm dishing it out in rare form today. Or am I? Is this all commonplace? You be the judge. Listen to every single episode. Maybe you'll find a little something out. Out of nowhere, the wife starts getting a very specific food craving, which comes with pregnancy. You know, some chicks want donuts. Other chicks want cheeseburgers or fries or Doritos. I don't know if they had Doritos back then. It's up in the air. We're never going to know that. There's some pieces of history that are lost forever. And as tragic as that is, we've got to continue with this story. So she is craving some Rapunzel, which is kind of like a salady uh, style green that goes with a root vegetable, Campanula Rapunculus. Am I saying that right, Kyle? Campanula Rapunculus. Why am I pronouncing the second one in like a really sloppy Spanish accent? It could be that, though. Or other scholars have interpreted it as maybe being a Valerianella locusta, which is more salady than root vegetable. But it's growing in the nearby garden, and this woman is just saying, like, I've got to get me some of that salad. And this may have been the birth of the insanity that goes with veganism. That might be the actual biggest takeaway is like, how crazy are those people? And a lot of them look emaciated, not well-nourished. You can't just live on salad, especially if you're pregnant. That's a total call out. You're going to have some mutant baby that is either going to honestly grow up to be a superhero or not so healthy. Let's just put it like that to keep it relatively sensitive. So this lady refuses to eat anything and begins to waste away. Sound familiar? Vegans? Her husband, great guy, like works out all the time, so high ethics. He's going to church, volunteering. Love flows out of his heart for days. And it's just like, wow, what's that about? How'd you get so spiritually refined, sir? But it doesn't get into that. And that's perplexing. But the husband's like, babe, you're going to fucking die. So he doesn't have a lot of options because vegans, like I said, are steadfast in their lunacy. And she will not eat anything else. She's like, ugh, eggs? Are you kidding me? Like, milk? You know, we're the only animal on this planet that actually drinks another creature's milk. And it's like, babe, we're also the only creatures that live in houses, have domesticated animals to begin with. There's so many things that are unique to the human species. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. He didn't say that. And I wish he would have. I mean, the story basically stops right then and there. If this dude has the courage to be like, babe, I've got a bunch of salami on deck and I'm going to need you to just go ahead and eat it. Your ideas suck right now. You're not coming up with good stuff. 
and that avoids a tragedy. So check the economic lesson there. Sometimes you got to tell people the truth in business, take them out to lunch and be like, I don't care what your dietary restrictions are. They're totally made up. You're not gluten intolerant. Eat the bread and take this as a gesture of my good faith. That's all business all the time. So when the husband comes back, he goes to the garden, he gets some of this Rapunzel, again, salad. She makes the salad out of it and eats it. And she's like, boy, is this underwhelming. But then all of a sudden, the crazy kicks in and she's like, I want more. And then the husband, like a total cuck, is like, all right, I guess this is what we're doing now. I've tried so hard to get you pregnant. And if this is what it's going to take for you to bear a single child to carry on my name and legacy, goodness gracious, the things we do, huh? So he goes back and forth a couple times. And as he's coming back on the last go of it, he's scaling the wall every time. And it is a large wall. Think like 15 feet. I could handle a 10-foot wall, but 15 That is so different. You know it and I know it. Think about that for a second. A 15-foot wall, no chance, right? That's going to take a lot of effort. So he's struggling and he's coming back with a burlap sack full of salad or whatever he's got. And the chick who owns the garden, who is a witch, a sorceress, which is a grade above witch, witch is very pedestrian, right? But sorceress? that commands a little bit more respect. She has got more than a couple magic books in her collection. Your run-of-the-mill piece of garbage witch, she's practicing blood magic at best, right? Just killing babies and, you know, that's it. Just stealing and killing babies. That's like her go-to card and it's like, that's not magical. That's sadistic, you piece of garbage. You're terrible. But a sorceress? She can shoot both frosty bolts of ice out of her wand or hands. We've seen that. Oh, boy, have we seen that. Maybe a fireball, maybe some thunderbolts. But let me remind you that all magic is satanic or satanic adjacent, and we don't like that, not one bit. We don't like that at all. So the sorceress ensnares him with rope magic doesn't say that in the story, but we all know that's how it went down. And she's like, you're stealing from me. And he says to her, like, you're stealing from the Lord with your magic and your bullshit. And she didn't have a good answer for that. But she was like, yeah, the theft that you're pulling is serious. And he's like, I'm so sorry. Um, Can you just give me a break? And she's like, whoa. I love that honest apology. That's going a long way with me. You know what? I'm going to be a little bit more lenient than I was going to be. And what an economic lesson that is on radical ownership. If you screw up in business and you step up and say, this one's on me, sometimes even do that when it's not your fault to save face for someone else. If the consequences aren't like you're going to get fired or everything's going to just go ass over tea kettle and all of a sudden... There's more whodunits than you know how to count. But an honest apology is what he gave. And she says, you know what? You're a good dude. I get it. Take all the salad you want. And he's like, wow, that is so different than what I was expecting. 
But then she hits him with a caveat and says, this is a conditional salad exchange. It's like, you truly are a sorceress at your core. You satanic spider wench harpy. He says that and that cuts to her core. As it should. But she says, you've got all the salad in the world, but I'm going to need that baby when it's born. And this guy agrees to it. What? The entire reason for getting the salad is so the kid is like alive when it's born. And so they don't just like have to do whatever they would with it. That's sad. That's sad. That hurts. Full of salad is his wife. And she finally pops out a baby girl. And she's like remarkably healthy for a child born of a vegan who's like not in a state of proper health. Like so many joint pains out of the mom. And she's like, I don't know what it is. I think I have an autoimmune disorder. And deep down the husband knows like, you just eat like shit. We would fix this in no time flat if you just ate the salami. Wake up. But they named the child Rapunzel after the plant that her mom craved. And that's like such a cruel thing to do. That's like naming a baby vodka for like a mom who's like a drunk and the child's born with fetal alcohol syndrome. And come here, vodka. I don't know if that's really an appropriate comparison. Uh, vodka. I don't know. Maybe some chicks like this woman who was craving salad during their pregnancy. They're just like, oh, it's got to get wasted. Bring me whiskey. Bring me wine. Kyle, what, what have you heard that women crave during pregnancy? You've never asked any woman that? Nor have I. So, but yeah, the baby's back. Come here, vodka. Come here. Uh, but Rapunzel. Yeah, right. Okay, back to it. In... One version, the couple, before the chick gives birth, they're like, should we get out of here? Should we scram, skedaddle, vamoose? They try to move away, and they're like, we don't want to give up the baby. That's our baby. And I think that's kind of the right call. Don't give your babies to sorceresses in business or literally. But in that version, the sorceress shows up at their door when the baby's born, of course, because, like, she's a creep. And she's like, yeah, just give me the baby. I don't know why you guys, you spent a lot of money on that U-Haul going cross-country. But I know magic. Here I am. Give me the baby. Dot com. So Rapunzel's growing up, and she's growing out her long golden hair. Pretty cool. And she turns 12, and the sorceress is like, you know what? I see it. You might be attractive one day, and I'm a total creep, so I'm going to lock you inside of a tower in the middle of the woods. And the tower's not going to have stairs or a door, and it's going to have one room and one window. Human trafficking is a scourge. And that is kind of what went down here, if you think about it. Child stolen and then just like locked in a glorified attic. So inappropriate. That's what's going down right now. That is totally what's going down. Human trafficking run by a sorceress. Echoes of the name Ghislaine Maxwell are 
bouncing around my noggin right now. Was it Jizz Lane or was it Ghislaine? I think we go with Ghislaine in the vein of Jean-Baptiste Basile. Just say people's name right, you know? Go hard when you're saying someone's name. Most of you right now have probably paused once or twice and been like, how come I didn't remember any of these details of Rapunzel? And it's because people have been lying to you for a long time about a very many things, including but not limited to the preamble to what the story is so famous for. And so this is where the story gets memorable, where the sorceress is hanging out underneath the tower. She like wants to hang out with her captive. So she says, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, won't let down your hair. Remember, this is German folklore. Full phraseology. Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair that I might climb thy golden stair. Fraulein, that's what it says in the original text. Take it or leave it, but that's what it says. And that is so like an abuser to hold somebody captive and then they get the Stockholm syndrome and Rapunzel's so confused and she's like, I hate you, but you're all I know. You're doing all these magic tricks. Not like illusionist magic tricks like David Blaine. You're sending plagues of rats out of your eyeballs, terrorizing local villages. That isn't the kind of magic I want to be associated with, but like Stockholm Syndrome, so difficult. How do you get out of a tough situation like that? That's a business call out in itself. You're in something, you're like, man, this isn't a good situation. I need a new job. But then your boss comes by and says, you know, I can shoot rats out of my eyes, right? You don't want to stick around for this. And then you're just caught in a dead end job for years. What a metaphor, right? That's kind of what a bunch of you were just, you kind of hung your head and then you lifted your eyes to a mirror that was in your area. And I was like, wow, that just was frighteningly accurate. That described my boss in a big way. Anywho, one day a prince, he's riding through the forest and he hears Rapunzel singing from the tower. Love that. So that's a big economic call out in the productivity that sometimes comes from extreme solitude. So she is developing talents. Nobody really knows about it, except maybe her iron and rage-hearted captor who doesn't appreciate it at all, but she's doing it for the love of the game. She's just working the pipes. Just being like, yeah, my life isn't that great. And I'm putting myself in her shoes and singing about kind of what I think it would be like because art is a reflection of what the artist is immersed in. And she's like, I've got Stockholm Syndrome. That's different. It's a different kind of song. You don't hear songs like that these days. It's all sex all the time and it's not about witches and sorceresses stealing children from vegans and those are the stories that need telling and can only really be fully captivated through the medium of 
music. Just telling you about it doesn't feel like it does it all the justice that it deserves. So the prince is fired up on this woman's voice. Rapunzel, remember her name? The one that is the title of the story. And he's looking around for her and he's like, geez, this voice is angelic and captivating. I could really, I could love this woman. I could love her. He finds the tower because echolocation, if somebody's singing from high altitude in a reasonably secluded forest, doesn't sound very difficult. So he just kind of walks towards the direction of the singing. That's how that worked, that little piece of the story. And some of you are like, why are you stating the obvious? Because in business, Economics Wednesday, sometimes the correct answer is obvious. Don't overcomplicate things. That's another big business call out. I'm telling you, you ask the questions and then you get the answers right back. But he gets to the tower, he finds out he can't get up there and he, he's like, damn it. So he gets frustrated and he leaves, but he just keeps coming back. He kind of makes it part of his routine where he's like, all right, I'm going to go do stuff, but then I'm going to come back on a fairly regular basis. You know, he's just down on the forest floor hanging out with bunnies, maybe. Doesn't say that explicitly, but could be bunnies. And he's just kicked back. He's fashioned a lean-to with a hammock in it. And he just can't get enough of the jams. That's something. But one day, he's hanging out in his lean-to. And he's had a couple ales. He's pretty relaxed. But he sees the sorceress visiting, and he learns how to get it done. The old hair elevator. Sorceress splits after doing God knows what to this poor girl. It never says like what the sorceress is doing up there, but you know it can't be good. She's got dark issues. The kind that is not okay to discuss in polite company, mixed company even. Some polite, some dirt bags. You couldn't even talk about it there. But the prince figures out how to use the hair elevator and he says, Rapunzel, get the ones and twos. Und Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair so that I might climb thy golden stair, und ya. So Rapunzel hasn't had a ton of social interactions, and truth be told, the witch calling up to her, the witch, there's no way she has a smooth, melodic voice. In fact, it probably sounds an awful lot like a dying crow shot through the neck with a BB gun. So what's my point? She has a hard time making a distinction between uh, voices. But on the plus side, that allows the prince to kind of dupe her a little bit and gain access. Business lesson there, it exists. It's there. I'm not going to spell that one out for you. No easy buckets, right? So the prince is getting pretty handy with the hair elevator and he starts making regular trips and they fall in love because he's treating her right. She's like, wait, you're not filming me do disgusting Things with poo. I think that's what the witch was doing. I just get that sense. So they're doing their dates. They're having their date nights. And eventually, guy mans up and he's like, do you want to get married? And she's like, I don't even know what that is, but I'm in. I love that attitude. And that's a business call out. You can't coach that. Mindset and attitude you can try to do it. You can try to coach your employees on how to show up with a smiling face, but that's something that's a little bit deeper than 
a boss to employee connection. That only comes from the love of JC. But they start scheming. I can't see Rapunzel being a very refined person intellectually, but I love that the prince appreciates her for what she can do, which is be hot and sing. But they plan an escape, and he's popping by each night. This is the plan. Avoiding the sorceress who is visiting her by day. It's like you hear something like that, and you're like, she's going through so much every day. That's not okay. But life, business, it can feel like a grind some days. But we look forward to those big payoffs, right? Like a rescue mission, metaphorically, in the economic sense. A buyout, IPO. So Prince starts bringing her a piece of silk a day that she can weave into a ladder. Why he did not just bring a lot of silk over a maybe two, three-day period is befuddling. I think if you're making that exit strategy, you know what's going on. Why did he let her get abused for like an entire month? Very unsettling. I don't have any conclusion there that's remotely positive, but maybe he had an angle that I'm just not even seeing. But before the plan can come to fruition, Rapunzel, who's kind of a dope, she gives away um, she gives away the whole plan, which is like, hey, so how you been? And she's like, well, I've just been hooking up with this guy and, well, we're going to escape. We're going to get lost. I don't like you very much. And the guy told me that what we've been doing isn't okay. And now that I think about it a little bit more, I tend to agree with him. And the witch is like, how dare you? And then Rapunzel's like, no, how dare you? And I love growing into a leadership role in business. And that's what Rapunzel did. You give her the tools. She had the makings of a leader from the beginning. She just needed to be unleashed by her partner, her man. And when I say partner, I mean business partner, because that's a parallel. I don't say it like, this is my partner. It's not like that. It's just not. By the way, that last little piece where I said that she gave it away willingly, that was a test because that's obviously not what happened. She said that her dress was getting tighter and that is a foreshadowing of pregnancy, meaning the prince was getting some, but he was also giving a lot, right? You say getting some, he was actually giving a lot. Very tender lover. It's kind of subtext. That's not in the actual text, but we know it's true. But I really just turned it around on you and turned it into a female empowerment uh, piece. She was not naive. She was just in love and having a baby. And that's, you can't get more yay women than that. You really can't. And just be like, yay women, 2021, right? People are saying that yay women, all that means is listening to Beyonce getting shit-faced. It's not. Hi, baby vodka. Hi, come here, vodka. It's not that. It is not. So she's pregnant. And the sorceress is like, this is bullshit. So she cuts off Rapunzel's flowing locks of blonde hair. And then 
pushes her out of the single window. And Rapunzel, she gets hurt. She gets hurt, but not so bad that it's like really serious. But she gets the wind knocked out of her. And she struggled for over 10 minutes. It's a whole lot. <laughs> Couldn't catch her breath. And that's scary. If you've ever been in that situation, you know it is. You totally know how scary that is. Especially in this economy. So later that night, the prince has got romance on the mind. And he's lovestruck. He's saying, oh, I just want to see my girl treat her right. I am a generous lover. I issue kisses on the forehead. And it's like, wow, good job. But he says the classic line, like, hey, babe, let the hair down. I'm going to climb the golden stair. You know how it is. We've done this quite a few times at this point. Do I really have to say it all the way? Hair comes down that the witch chopped off. And he gets yanked up by this witch who, talk about bicep strength out of her. Back and buys. She lives in a garden. She's got the tower. She also owns a Bowflex. But the prince is up in the tower and he finds this old hag. And he's like, where's my chick? And the witch is like, you're never going to see her again. That hurts so much. That song, Cry For You, it's a good techno song. But that's not appropriate to talk about right now. Kyle? The prince is distraught. And so he jumps out the window. Swan dives out the window. Check that. He pencil dove out the window. Feet first. Got a running start. Went out with his feet. That's an athletic move. So the prince is yeah, he's pretty athletic. Lands in a thorn bush. The thorns break his fall. Saving his life. But he gets a bunch of thorns in his eyes. And he is blind. Wow. To that imagery, I say, business is a gamble. Okay, moving on. For years, the prince, he wanders around the wastelands of the country. And he eventually comes to the spot in the wilderness where Rapunzel is living with twins. He knocked her up and gave her twins. Boy and a girl. So he's stumbling around blindly, destitute, analogous with uh, bankruptcy in business. And one day she sings and he hears her voice again. And he's like, I know that tune anywhere, but it's a different song. Same tune, different song. I used to have Stockholm syndrome, but now I don't. He hears that and he's like, that sounds an awful lot like my chick. They have a glorious reunion punctuated by a powerful embrace. And the guy just starts crying. And in a situation like this, I don't mind it. You know, there's some guys who cried during the Disney movie Finding Nemo as adults, and that's not okay. But in a situation like this, I'd say it's more than warranted. Love of your life, she's gone. You're blind. You know she was carrying the union of your guys's love and then you lose her and then you find her that's emotionally overwhelming in a positive way the tears restore his sight i don't know how that works 
but it happened. And talk about that for a second. You let the emotion out and you rejuvenate it. Sometimes people carry too much with them and they just need to have that cathartic release. Then all of a sudden, vision is restored. And that goes beyond business and economics. Okay? Time out. How many business ideas have you come up with along the way? And if any of you have been like, I want to start a salad business and call it BYO Salad, that's not. That's the only business idea that I would ever veto from this episode. Anything else is fair game, but if that's what you came up with, you're so off base that I think you should turn off the podcast and never listen to any episode ever. No further investigation. We don't want you as a community. That's a bad idea. BYO salad? No, thanks. Continuing though. Now that he's got his sight back, he leads her and the twins to his kingdom where they live happily ever after. And a lot of these stories in German folklore don't necessarily turn out so well for anybody, really. You know, you end up boiling in a pit of ogre's teeth and the rest is just a devil's slumber party. If you've listened to any of the other episodes or you're well-studied in German folklore, you'll know that what I just said is strikingly accurate. So what are the major themes? I know I've dished a lot during this, but let's just do like a final theme analysis, thematic deconstruction. A lot of scholars think that just this general story structure of Maiden in the Tower, of which Rapunzel is a part, It's a metaphor for the protection of young women from premarital relationships by overzealous guardians. Scholars have drawn comparisons to the confinement of Rapunzel in her tower to that of a convent where women's lives are highly controlled and they lived in exclusion from outsiders. When I read something like this, and I say most scholars, that just cheapens education as a whole because I'm like you are idiots you don't get it at all if that's your interpretation if as a community of studied individuals that's the conclusion at which you arrive like what good is it to call yourself a scholar you just hemorrhaged a bunch of money on an education and body positive acrylic airbrushing that's the kind of degree that yields analysis like that You already knew that, though. Now, here's where the real scholars come into play. You say, thematically, love conquers all. I like that, but that really applies to when the prince got there and afterwards. It doesn't cover the complete madness and lack of critical thinking that came from the salad craving mother driven to madness and veganism yuck but here's where it gets a little bit interesting crap bargain in the beginning right that's not uncommon in folklore yeah you can have all the salad you want but i get your child who agrees to that i sure hope there aren't people out there who are bargaining on that level 
There's some people who are in business, right? Here's a business lesson. Who it's like, how did you get into this? You're negotiating from a standpoint of weakness all the time. You're giving away too much. Why are you employed? But crap trades come up all the time. Jack and the magic beanstalk, trading a cow for beans. In Beauty and the Beast, when there was like a lodging exchange, changing of money that happened for a rose as compensation, doesn't seem like a good deal in terms of the optics. Give that a quick eyeball test and say, what are we doing here? Come on, what are we even doing? But folkloric beliefs oftentimes regarded it as dangerous to deny pregnant women any food that she happened to crave, which some scholars, translate that to morons, believed that it made the bargain with the sorceress more understandable. And it's like, what? But check this. There's some nutritional logic in that. Apparently, family members would often go to great lengths to secure cravings. And such desires for things like lettuce and salad or other vegetables may have indicated a need for vitamins. Okay. So, leafy greens sometimes contain iron. Maybe the mother was anemic and she didn't know and she needed iron. Maybe she was bruising really easily. There's a lot of stuff going on there, but all of a sudden you consider that and you're like, wait a second, maybe she needed the salad. That doesn't excuse her dismissing salami, milk, and eggs because that's still stupid as all hell. But maybe she was iron deficient. Wow, right? Themes not discussed by scholars. Bring justice to predators like the sorceress. Bring justice to them. Whatever that looks like. Because the sorceress never really got what was coming to her. And that was a horse kick to the teeth. Just stand her out back in a barn. Reverse action a horse. And then just continue to startle the horse until he just starts kicking. That's what the sorceress deserved. That's totally it. Think about that for a second. Other themes. Be good parents. If you have kids or you're thinking about having kids, understand that your child will always be more valuable than salad. And if you ever find yourself weighing your child against salad, you shouldn't have had kids or even considered it. I want to wrap this up. And some of you are still dying to know. What of Jean-Baptiste Basile's Petrocinella? And to that I say, Petrocinella is translated to parsley. That is so much grosser than salad. Can you imagine the person you're dating? If you're a guy, you're looking at your chick and she's always just got parsley in her teeth and she's a slob. Or ladies, if you're dating a guy who's got parsley. It was never the dude making the fundamental vegetable errors in this. But I just want to increase the relatability of the whole story. Like, what if somebody had parsley in their teeth all the time and you knew it was for selfish reasons? 
and it was going to lead to the eventual um, evil machinations of poo fetishes by a witch. Would you stand for that? Think about that. But that is DarbyCast. That's an Economics Wednesday. That's that.